0: Greetings, this is J.R. Dickey. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. And by the way, don't forget our website, graceandtruth.net. I hope you're having a great day, but if not, hang with me. It's about to get better. Okay, today is for all you prophecy buffs, so let's get started. You know, my wife loves to see plays, but I'm only a ho-hum fan of the theater, so to speak, and can probably count on one hand the stage productions that we've seen. Yeah, yeah, I know. What an uncultured slacker I am. However, when it comes to the heavenly drama that is playing out all around us, produced and directed by our Lord, I am totally mesmerized, awestruck. Although the theater is in general not the best illustration of God's work, he is definitely setting the right stage for the Final act, so to speak. Now, there is no prophecy that at this point prevents the church from being snatched up by the rapture. Some may argue that the gospel must first be preached to the whole world, but this was never spoken as a prerequisite to the rapture. Rather, it precedes Christ's second coming as the conquering king. For some 2,000 years, the church has delivered the gospel but I submit to you that it is only God himself who can and does fully accomplish this in revelations 14 verses 6 and 7 we find that during the tribulation period the lord's angelic messenger proclaims a gospel to the whole world in addition Some 144,000 Jewish men appear to also have an evangelistic role during this time for just after their anointing or sealing, which we see in Revelations chapter 7, we find innumerable multitudes of believers or saints in heaven who have come out of the great tribulation. Quote, The promise of the rapture added a new dimension to the disciples' expectations. Jesus was returning to heaven to prepare a place for them in the Father's house. He would return to receive them to himself, taking them where he was in the Father's house. This was a promise of removal from the earth and entrance into heaven. He mentioned no signs preceding and no tremendous prophecies that needed to be fulfilled first. It was to be an imminent hope, something that would be the expectation of each day after he left them. That's from John Walford. All this is to say that although as we as Christians have the urgent and loving responsibility to the Great Commission to share the gospel with everyone, that the rapture of the church is not scripturally dependent upon the accomplishment of preaching it to the entire world, nor is it dependent upon the proverbial last soul being saved. For as I just pointed out, there will be huge numbers of believers born again during the incredibly difficult days of the Tribulation. Then how about something on the world scene? Nope. How about something related to Jerusalem or the Jews? At this point, no. So what is it dependent on? Father God. Indeed, it is purely His call. Jesus said so. Look at Matthew 24, 36 and Mark 13 32. It is analogous to the old Jewish wedding practice in which, after the bride's price had been paid, the bridegroom would return to his father's house to prepare a place for his bride, and only the father could approve the final results. Only he could say to his son, Okay, it's ready. Go get your bride. So, I'll suggest That pertaining to the rapture, what we are waiting on is not some great human performance or grand ecclesiastical achievement, but on the preparation going on in heaven, our eternal home. Jesus mentioned only one activity that he wants to accomplish in heaven before returning for us at the rapture. It's in John 14, 2 and 3, quote, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He is setting the stage, so to speak, for the holy celebration, His marriage to us, His bride. Now, perhaps our earthly obedience affects that preparation somehow, for we know that all the angels in heaven rejoice, over the repentance of just one sinner. And we are told that as we sincerely look forward to the day of God, we actually hasten it. Look at 2 Peter 3.12. But if you study all the parables Jesus gave pertaining to the rapture, you see no mention of any earthly or human accomplishment as a prerequisite. Rather, we are admonished to be ready in heart, obedient in works, and watching in anticipation, always. And as the stage is being set in heaven, so the earthly stage is also being set, exactly as the Lord foretold. Center stage are the Jewish people, Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Only our Father knows when the stage is right in heaven. And while the same goes for the stage on planet Earth, he has given us advanced warning on what to expect here. The terrestrial stage of the last days is focused not primarily upon the church, but upon preparing for the last act, the seven-year-long tribulation period that is called the time of Jacob's trouble. You see, when the curtain goes up so will we, the church, up to meet the Lord in the clouds, and that will be the start of a whirlwind of final events on earth. Quote, if there are no signs for the rapture itself, what are the legitimate grounds for believing that the rapture could be especially near for this generation? The answer is not found in any prophetic events predicted before the rapture, but in understanding the events that will follow the rapture. Just as history was prepared for Christ's first coming, in a similar way, history is preparing for the events leading up to his second coming. That's again from Walford. So, how is this stage being set? Matthew twenty four four through twenty six describes for the tribulation period not the church age primarily, as does Revelations chapter six through nineteen, and Daniel eleven thirty six through twelve thirteen, and several other passages. From these, we expect several things, and I'll go through them. If you got a pen, take some notes. First, one, the means to propagate. On a worldwide basis, great spiritual deception. Scripture support for this is Revelations thirteen, eleven through fourteen, and Second Timothy three thirteen and Matthew twenty four four and five. Okay, that's number one. Number two, a worldwide Christian-led organization or myriad unified groups of the same, which hold to religious form but not to true godliness. Check out the chapters, Revelation 13 and 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. Number three, a dramatic increase in travel and knowledge. That's from Daniel 12, 4. And number four, the power to spread disease to a, or to create widespread conditions conducive to pestilence. Matthew 24, 6 and 7. Number five, technology capable of controlling globally individual consumer spending as well as sales. That's a Revelations 13, 16 through 18. Number six, the rebirth of the nation of Israel under one government. See Ezekiel 37, Isaiah 66, verse eight and nine, and Matthew 24, verses 32 through 35. Number seven, the reemergence of the old I'll call it the Roman Empire in a less cohesive form. That's from Daniel chapter 2, verses 41 through 43. Number eight, a worldwide attention upon the perplexity about the conflicts surrounding Jerusalem. That's from Zechariah 12, verses 2 through 4. The ability, this is number nine, the ability to report. Rumors and News of Warfare Worldwide. Matthew 24.6 and Mark 13.7 10. Plans and Preparations for the Construction of a New Jewish Temple and the Start of a Levitical Worship System. Note, for the Antichrist to place the abomination of desolation in the holy place, it must clearly be in existence. Check out Mark chapter 13, verse 14, Daniel eleven thirty one, 31, and Daniel 12, 9 through 13. Okay, here's number 11. Widespread and increasing immorality and violence. Matthew 24, 37, Genesis 6, 11 and 12. Number 12. Exaltation of youth. And degradation of old age in society. 2 Timothy 3 2. 13. An emerging military coalition, or the potential for one, between Russia, Iran, Ethiopia, Libya, Turkey, and many United Nations against Israel. Check out Ezekiel 38 1 8. 14. A conflict between the reborn Israel and her immediate neighbors. See Isaiah 17, 1-3, Ezekiel 36, 6-7, Joel 3, 19, and Isaiah 11, 11-15. Okay, number 15. By the way, I'm going to 20 on here, so hang in there. The potential to create large-scale geological and environmental disasters. Check out Matthew 24, 6 and 7. Number 16, Jewish control over Jerusalem with European influence. See Daniel 2, 41 through 43. 17, the Jews looking for a man who, coming in his own name, will bring them a false security. John 5, 43, Daniel 8:25, 25, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3. Number 18, society is consumed with self-absorption or self-gratification. Second Timothy 3, 1 and 2. Number 19, a rising and subsiding in intensity of the world situation, resembling the contractions of birth. Look at Romans 8, 22, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3. And finally, number 20, a materialistically... Here and now, minded church, 2 Timothy 3, 1, 2, and 5, and Revelations 3, 15 through 17. Now, look around. Do you notice any or all of these backdrops and stage props, if I could say that, being moved into place? Well, I'd say absolutely. The world today is like a stage being set for a great drama. The major actors are already in the wings, waiting for their moment in history. The main stage props are already in place. The prophetic play is about to begin. Thanks again to you, Wilfred. The stage is right and seems ready for the last act. How about you? Now may the Lord grant you peace in the midst of any storm and faith to trust Him. Look for our next podcast. And may you realize more of His grace today.